Let's pray. Uh, Father, you are a great and holy God, one who deserves our praise, our worship, our submission, and our surrender, our obedience. Lord, it's only by your Spirit that we get to see eternal life. It's only by your Spirit that we get to experience the joy um, of being in relationship with you. You do it all, and we get to enjoy it. So thank you, O God, for this opportunity. Thank you for this moment where we get to hear your word and um, read your word and uh, hopefully apply it to our lives. But Lord, um, some of us, we just, our minds are so clogged by disappointment and discouragement that we can't even hear your word. Lord, I pray that for this time we would focus in on what you would have to say to us. Lord, for those of us who are going through a really difficult time in our marriages, Lord, the woman who said, that's it, I can't take it anymore, and just, Lord, would you touch her right now? Move in her spirit. The, the husband who says, I can't, I can't go on, Lord, I pray, would you just speak to him right now? Father, I, I, I pray for the young people who are making a series of poor decisions that are only going to get worse who think that decision-making can be made absent from you and there be no consequences. Father, would you move into their souls, move into their minds, touch their hearts, help them to make a, a direction shift. Father, those who are new in Christ, would you just give them encouragement to continue to persevere on? Lord, we know that you are able and even willing um, to do what we've asked, but Lord, we ask that you would be here in a very powerful way. That you would speak to hearts, that you would calm down anxieties, that you would touch minds, that you would help with decision-making, that you would move to surrender, that there would be a dependence on you like never before. Thank you, O oh God, for your love. Thank you for hearing our prayers. I ask that you would help us to focus in on what you would have to say to us. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Um, last week we talked about heaven. It's funny how close to the passage of, uh, to the um, issue of heaven that we are today. Um, we were in a series before we interrupted that series last week with our talk about heaven and about new things and about how we're home, but this isn't really in the end our real home. Our real home is found in heaven, and if we live in light of heaven, there'll be a great deal of joy as we go through even the most difficult suffering because this isn't all there is. That was last week, but before we interrupted our series, um, last week we were in a series on the book of James. Somebody say James. Yeah, we are in this book on the series, uh, book in the series, a series in the book of James. Now, James is a very, very interesting book. Uh, it, it's, it's a powerful book. It's, it's, it's an incredibly practical book. James is all about the rubber meets the road. James is all about uh, Monday morning. James is all about what happens and what has to happen in your life and mine if we're going to experience the abundant life that God has for us. So James is a big deal. 
So we were talking, but here's, here's something we said, a couple of handles on James if you're coming in new. A couple of things is, James says this, uh, if there, if there's, uh, if you have, well, there's all of this practicality, but we said this, that if you have the book of James, what I also want you to have, on the other hand, is the book of Romans, right? Because if you just read the book of James, and the reason I say this is because in New York, we are just sort of gripped, gripped by this idea, and maybe this is all over the country, but I only, I only know New York, that whenever you speak to somebody in New York, it's all about what you do for God. It's all about what, how you can make God happy with you. It's all about if there's a relationship with God, the relationship has everything to do with your effort to get into relationship with God. And if you read the book of James in isolation, then what you're going to discover is that you're going to think that relationship with God means about what you do in order to get into relationship with God. This can't be further from the truth. This is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible is not teaching us that in order to get into a relationship with God, we have to do, 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 get, 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 behave, 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 that if you're a real good little boy or a real good little girl, therefore God will love you. That's not what the Bible teaches. James is simply talking about practical issues. And if you only read James, you'll think it's all about doing, whereas if you see the Bible as a whole, you'll be able to understand James in light of the rest of the Bible. So that's how we go into James. Now, we've been talking in the book of James about the first part. James goes right in for the jugular. He starts talking about uh, difficulty and strife and persecution and pain. Um, he says this in verse 2. It's not in your notes, but we're just kind of reviewing. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. James starts to talk about talk to us about suffering. And as he starts to talk to us about suffering and pain, he says, listen, our goal, our, our, our guide is Jesus. Let's keep our eyes on God. Consider it pure joy. And then he gives us a couple of uh, uh, illustrations about, uh, or gives us some instruction about how to endure suffering. And we spent about two or three weeks on how to endure that. Now, in the end, from verses 1 through about 8, the, the, the basic summation of what James has taught us is this. Hey, listen, you're going through, here's basically 1 through uh, 8, verses 1 through 8. Hey, you're going through trials. Things are difficult in your life. Your marriage is not what you wish it could be. You still feel, you still feel lonely after all these years. You know, you don't have a marriage. You're single. Um, whatever it is, your, your physical body is giving up on you, your experiencing some sort of relational pain, whatever it is, James says, okay, hey, you're suffering, here's how to do it. Do it with joy. You go, how do, how do I do it with joy? You ask God for wisdom. You ask God for wisdom, and you ask for God, you ask God for wisdom in such a way that knows that you're looking forward to God. You, you ask believingly, not unbelievingly, with faith, not with a, something in, in your coat, say, God, if you don't give me this, I got a, I got a couple of plans on my own. But you go, no, 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 God, I have no other plan. My, my plan is to rejoice in you whether the cancer goes away or the cancer stays. Whether she leaves or she stays. Whether the finances are where I want them to be or they get worse. Whether the kids, you know, um, get taken away or they, they remain. 
Whatever it is, I'm not looking to God to be my genie. God is my joy, my pleasure, my satisfaction, no matter what circumstance. God, you can give me wisdom to endure difficult times. So that's verses 1 through 8. Now today we're going to look at how to go through trials if you're rich or if you're poor. Tell somebody next to you, you know, I wanted to come to church to hear about money. Go ahead, tell somebody next to you. It's just not true, is it? You just didn't want to do that, do you? Nobody goes, you know what, I want to come to church and I want to hear the preacher tell me about money. I've just never heard that person, right? So, I know. So now that we've laughed about it, let me tell you what I'm not going to do. We're not going to take a special offering. We're not going to talk about how um, you need to give more. We're not, oh, I may, I mean, it's me, so I might. Um, but, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. What we're going to talk about is about money in terms of when you suffer as a result of the money that you have or don't have. So we're going to talk about how poor people go through suffering and how rich people go through suffering. I want you to tune in. So I'm not going to, listen, this is not going to be a double offering day. It's not going to be I want your money. It's not going to be feel guilty because you're not giving and a lot of you are not, but you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be that talk. That's like next, no, I'm not, it's, I'm not, it's not next week. It's not. But what it really is, what it really is, is about he's going to continue this talk about suffering and we're going to just talk about suffering. Now, but before we do, I, um, I want to talk about worth, things that are valuable or things that are not considered valuable. So, and, then, and, and I think it'll tie in. So I, I, I got these stories. Um, my wife looked them up for me. And did you know, have you ever heard stories like this where someone, right, they go through their basement or something like that and then they find like a rookie card of Babe Ruth or something like that, and then they sell it for $1 million, or the person who's, uh, who buys a, you know, something, and then it turns out that there's a comic book in it that's worth a trillion dollars. Have you ever heard of something like that, right? Um, you know, has anybody here uh, watched the Antique Road show? Anybody here a fan of that? I tell you, I don't have a TV, but that's one of the reasons why I want one, right? I want a TV because of the antique road show. You come in, right? And you come in and you go, you know, I found this pen and, uh, you know, it just says Bic on it and it's like 2.0. And he goes, this is not an ordinary pen. This is an extraordinary pen. Notice that Bic is in a box and there's a little running man next to it. This pen is worth five million dollars and you're like oh my god i got it for 50 cents and it's like wow antique road show or you go like this oh this is my phone right and they go this is not an ordinary phone this phone was made with uh jean Cousteau who wrote his name on the back of the you know whatever it was right and so he goes and so he goes and he goes this phone is worth Three million dollars. And it's like, wow, I didn't know. It was a man. My grandmother gave it to me. It was like nothing. I don't know why. And just like, wow. And so you go. And so I love that show because I always think that the junk in my house is worth more than it is. And if I could just get to the antique road show, I'd be a millionaire. Am I the only one who thinks this way? 
I mean, I love that stuff. Well, this is actually some stories of it actually happening. You know Bernice Gallagher? You've never heard of her. But she was 72, and she was cleaning out her basement. And she found the, what is it? It was the, uh, um, a rare baseball card from the, United, from the first United States professional um, baseball team. Her friend said, ooh, this is kind of cool. You should put it on eBay and sell it for like $10. She didn't take her friend's advice. She went and had it auctioned off and sold it for $72,285. Not bad for cleaning out your basement, right? There was a, uh, you think that's good. Um, There was a college student. Anybody know how, you know, right, there's poor and then there's college poor, right? I know because I have a son, right? And he's like, you know, there's poor and there's college poor. And so my son, uh, not my son, there's a college student um, who went and bought a, he purchased a sofa. He bought a used sofa at a flea market. He paid $215 for the sofa, right? Nice sofa, needed it for his room. It was in Germany, right? $215, right? He opened up the, the, the sofa and found that in the sofa there was a painting there from an unknown painter for a couple of hundred years before. The painting was worth $27,000. And the sofa's pretty comfortable too. So it's not a bad deal, right? Not a bad day at the flea market. Now, I know what I'm sharing with you is feeding some of your flea market addiction. Right? But notice I only have two or three of these stories. There's billions of people. Don't do it. Save your money. You will have better luck in time if you just, I mean, I'm just not saying it for that, all right? So I know some of you are like, ooh, I'm going to do flea markets. And then you'll just waste all your money. Um, Watch this. There was an employee of a company in Indiana who spent $30 for some furniture and old paintings. There was a flower painting. and uh, a flower painting that he liked, but he really liked the, um, the frame uh, that it was in. So he decided to um, hang the painting on the wall. When, uh, when he played the game called Masterpiece, anybody ever heard of that game? It's, a, it's like a board game and you have to name it. Okay. He found the picture, a similar picture of the one that he had hung, hanging in his ho- home. And he found out that the painting was made by Martin Johnson Heed, an American painter who painted landscapes and flowers. He asked the auction company to auction off the painting. Listen to me. For $1.2 million. Now, the reason that I bring up these stories, even though they're really cool and because I want to you know, kick up your flea market addiction, other than that, the reason that I bring up these stories is this. In all of those stories, forget about the people who bought it and made a, uh, a killing. In all of those stories, there was someone who did not know the value of what they had and sold it at a bargain. In other words, there was somebody who sold the couch, didn't know that there was a $27,000 painting in the couch, and found themselves selling a couch, and they were like, woohoo, I only bought that couch for 50 bucks. I sold it for 217 But he didn't know what the value of the couch was. There was someone who left a baseball card 
in the basement, and they left it there, totally ignored it, and they didn't realize that they had tens of thousands of dollars. There was another person who, over and over and over, in every one of those stories, there was someone who did not know the value of what they had. They didn't know the value that was bestowed on the articles that they had, and therefore, because they had the wrong perspective and didn't know the value and the worth, they gave it away. Today, we're going to look in the book of James, and we're going to look at some. We're going to look at what value and worth there really is. Because you know what, I have a suspicion that whether you're whether you fall on, and we're going to talk about rich, and we're going to talk about poor, we're going to talk about the haves, and we're going to talk about the have-nots. We're going to talk about. I have a suspicion that it's our perspective that makes our struggle, our pain, our suffering so difficult for us. I suspect, I suspect it's that. So we're going to read uh, in the book of James, and we're going to start in verse 9. I'm going to end at verse 12. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and stand with me. We're going to read God's word together. And it is God's word. So it's and the reason that we stand, you know that if the president walks in the room, everybody, um, whether in the house or wherever they are, you know, they stand because, the, because, of his, because they want to honor him, because of the dignity they bestows. We're going to read God's word and we, we want to stand because there's, there's beauty and, and wonder in God's word. So we're going to read verse 9 through 12. I want you all, when verse 12 comes along, I want you to read it with me. Nice, loud voice. Okay? Verse nine, uh, ver- chapter 1, verse 9. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position. Because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word the hearing of his word. Please have a seat. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. Now I want you to hear me on this. Listen to me. Everything is about perspective. Everything, everything, everything is about perspective. You can go through just about anything, right? Listen, when people go to the gym, right, they can endure a treadmill or uh, an elliptical machine or, God forbid, the stair climber, right? They can endure that because in the future there's a goal. They have a good perspective. Next week, people are going to run the marathon and they can endure the pain that they're going to go through because it's a goal that they have. There's a, there's, a, there's a finish line. There is a reward for them. Completing it for some of, someone is going to be winning it. Listen to me. When you and I go through suffering and difficulty, whether we fall on the rich side or the poor side, whether we fall on the have side and the have not side, 
Listen to me. There's a perspective that can help us through. So I want you to hear these two verses together because they're very, very powerful. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower. Look up at me. Now watch this. The poor person should take pride. In, his, in the Greek, it's very interesting. It says that the low person, the person who's low, should take uh, pleasure in their high position. Do you see the word play that he's doing? You think you're low because you don't have any uh, finances. You think that you don't have any, you know, the bills are piling up, the money's not coming in, whatever it is. And you think that this is a terrible low position, but God says, no, 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 it's a high position. Why? Why would God say something so obvious that, being, that ha- not having anything is such a high position? Because when you don't have the reason your position is so high is because you have nothing to depend on except Christ. In other words, your security is not found in your finances. You don't have any. Your security is not found in your stuff. You ain't got it. Your security is not found in what you possess. It's not there. Your joy is not found in your wealth. Your joy... The reason that the, lo- the person who doesn't have anything is because they don't have anything to confuse their love for Jesus. There's not a... It, it's funny, right? When I was uh, younger and God would say, hey, give, give everything you've got. You know, just give it away. Just give it away. It's much easier to do than now. So when God come, you know, spoke to my heart and says, Edwin, I want your whole life. I want everything. I want your finances, I want your heart, I want your actions, I want your hope, I want your future. Well, I didn't have anything. So giving God my all didn't mean much. Right? Now, if God asks for my all, uh, I don't know, give me a minute, because I have a little bit more. And the more that you have, the more difficult it is to give. So, so, the Bible is trying to get, if you're wrong-headed, the Bible wants to get you right-headed about stuff. Here, there's nothing, listen to me, there's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's something wrong in finding your joy, security, and satisfaction, your worth, your dignity, and your value in your stuff. So poor man, listen to me, poor man, take pride that you are high on God's in God's estimation because you have nothing and no one to depend on except Jesus and that is worth everything that's everything so um, I, I look in a situation and I go oh my gosh I, I don't have anything what a joyous time it is for me because I'm depending on Jesus more than ever. One time, first time I was fasting, the very first time I fasted, um, I, I think I was fasting seven days, right? It's like, it was like a quick jump, you know, never skipping a meal to not eating for seven days. It was a big jump for me, right? And so I stopped, and day three, since I didn't know, nobody ever told me about fasting, I didn't know, I just kept on going about business the way I normally do. I went to work at the same time. I came home at the same time. I played with my kids and all that other stuff. I never did it. So I remember I was walking to a particular place, and it was about 
a mile and a half away from where I was. So I got about halfway there. I got to about the halfway mark. And my eye, it's the first time this ever happened to me, my knees buckled. And my eyes, you know how like your eyes go in the back of your head? And I was like, my knees, I was like, I like that. And I said, oh God. And I was in the halfway point. So I was like, I can't, you know, if I go home, it's the same distance. If I go to where I'm supposed to go, it's the same distance. Well, you know what I did? I said, I'm, I'm going to go to where I'm going to go. Here's the thing, though. I never prayed so much about every step I was going to take in my life like I prayed that day. You know why? Because when I did that, I was in my, what, mid-20s? And I didn't have any weaknesses. I felt strong. I've never been sick. I never have. But you know, when I lost my strength, there was a sense of dependence on God for every step. I literally was going, oh God, this step, right, left, le- right, left, right, left. Please, God, help me to get to where I'm going. I definitely, not in this neighborhood. I do not want to faint here, right? And so listen to me, listen to me. So it is with your finances. Now, here's the deal. This is such a hard sell. You know why? Because Black Friday is just a few weeks away. And you want stuff. And, hey, listen, it's not you. Me too. Me too. I'm waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to get the little, you know, the deal and all that other stuff. Here's, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I want you to know. Your stuff in America means your value. Somebody pulls up in a, in a, a Mercedes. Oh, they must be very valuable. They must have, oh, they must be somebody. Somebody pulls up in a, you know, old Pontiac, they must not be somebody. You go to someone's house and it's big and it's beautiful and it's, it's, you know, it's in a wonderful part of the neighborhood, oh, they must be somebody. You go to somebody's house and they live in the projects, oh, they must not be somebody. You might even think that for yourself. And God is saying, your value system is found in the wrong place. Your value system is not found in the things that you possess. Now, who here has like a $20 bill? Who here has a $20 bill? Right? And you said, I thought you said you weren't going to ask for money. And right, yeah. Um, who here has a $20 bill? $50, $100 bill? Go ahead, give me your $20 bill. $50. I love it when people. Yeah, I know, I know. Okay. This is not a $20 bill. This is a $100 bill. Can somebody say amen? amen? Thank you, brother. That's all I needed to say. And so, listen to me. Okay. Anybody know what this actually is, though? It's paper. Anybody, anybody, anybody know what this is? It's paper. Okay. If I gave this back to Claudia and say, thank you very much for your paper, I'll give you more paper than you gave me because I love you so much. I'll give you this paper, right? Right? Is this a good idea or is this a bad idea? Why is this a bad idea? Because, okay, but now watch this. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Listen, listen. This is very important. The reason that this piece of paper is worth more than this piece of paper, even though this is bigger paper than this, is because of the value that's been bestowed upon it. In other words, there is a higher authority, the government, 
who has bestowed a value on this piece of paper that makes it worth far more than this piece of paper. Are, are you tracking with me? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to give you something here. Now watch this. Now watch this. I take this piece of paper. What if I, let me ask you something. How much is this worth? Why is it worth $100? Because the government says so. It's the value that's been bestowed upon it. Now watch this. Oh, no, terrible, terrible. Okay, let me ask you something. How much is it worth now? Why? Because it's the value that's been bestowed upon it. Now watch this, right? How much is it worth now? Why? Because it's the value that's been bestowed upon it. It's not worth $100 because the paper's worth $100. It's worth $100 because somebody with more authority who had this thing created said this is worth $100. Now, watch this. How much is it worth now? Okay, what if I... Listen to me. Listen to me. What if I... What if I grab, let me, say, let me ask you something. What if I grab 100 proof, 100 proof vodka and soak it in 100 proof vodka? How much is it worth? What if I pour Coke on it? What if I leave it on the street and make all its friends run away from it? Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Listen to me. What, what, if I, what, if I, what if all of you run out of here and abandon it? How much is it worth? What if I buried it in the ground? No matter what you do to this, the value does not change because of the value that's been bestowed on it. Poor person, listen to me. Listen to me. There is a value that's been bestowed upon you by a higher authority than the, than the government of the United States. And even if you shot up coke or were buried in the sand or were abandoned by everyone, even if you were told you were stupid and was not worth a thing, even if everybody else left and did not find value in you, listen to me, your value is not based on what everybody else thinks or even what you think. Your value is based upon what the one who created you gave to you. Your value is priceless because of who has bestowed that value on you. Listen to me. Poor person. Don't get caught up in your poor person. You have a high position because if you are in Christ, you are very valuable. You are very valuable. Listen to me. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, now watch this. Now watch this. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower. Listen to me. The poor don't have any distractions, according to the Bible. The poor don't need any distractions so they can find their worth in God. But God is like the ultimate equal, equalizer, right? And so he's saying, the rich, you think so lofty of yourself because your security is found 
in your stuff. Anybody ever hear about like a businessman who, um, whose uh, finances go down and like overnight or like in a week loses his company and then he commits suicide or something like that? You ever heard of that? Yeah, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Why that happens is the reason people kill themselves is because all of their value is found in what they have. When you take away their stuff, you've taken away their God. You don't need to be rich about this to have this true. Some of us here think that if we have more stuff, then that's where our value comes from. If we have finances, if our bank account is high, then we're happy, we're fine, because that's where our value comes from. Listen to me, listen to me. The Bible has something to say to you as well. The Bible says, those of you who find your security, your worth, your value in your stuff, those you should, you should really think of yourself low. Here's why, here's why. And this is very powerful. For the sun, watch this. Uh, let, me, let me continue. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom fail, falls and its beauty is destroyed. Look, look, listen to me. Your stuff is fleeting. I've told you this story before, but I'll say it again. I, I do funerals. I do a lot of funerals. Part of my, it's part of what I do. I've been to more funerals. I, I go to more funerals in like a month than some of you will ever go in a lifetime. Like I do, you know, that's what I do. And so, I drive past this um, one place, um, and I never remember the name of the, uh, the, the grave, uh, the, the, uh, the, the cemetery, thank you. I never remember the place of the cemetery, but I remember driving past it, and there's a, in cement, a Mercedes. Someone got buried. It's a tomb, and there's a Mercedes. The Mercedes isn't worth $5 now. I mean, it's from like the 50s or the 60s or the 70s. It's, 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 it's useless. Useless. And yet someone got buried with that. Here's something that you never see. You never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Because you can't take it with you. And some of us spend all of our time dreaming. Listen to me. It's why you buy lottery tickets. You think that the solution is just getting more. And God is saying, that is not your solution to poverty. Your solution to poverty is finding your riches in me. Because even if you won, you'd be poor. Even if you hit it, Rich man, take in your low position. Take pride in your low position. In the same way, the rich man will fade away, just like the flower fades. The rich man will fade away, even while he goes about his business. Isn't that interesting? Even while he continues to make the deals, even while he continues to work in the business, even while he's... Now, here's what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is that you should stop having ambition. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should stop having ambition. I'm not saying that if you own a business, you shouldn't want to 
you know, duplicate your business, if, if that, you know, that you shouldn't want to be the very best, that if you're working, that you not work hard and move up the ladder in your company. I think that's wonderful. And the Bible is not saying that. The Bible is not saying, listen, this is what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying that it's not about what you possess. It's about who possesses you. Money is a wonderful slave. It's a horrible master. You know that money is your master when you make decisions based upon your debts. Right? I'd love... And and here it goes, right? Okay, disclaimer. Preacher talk coming, okay? So all of y'all who have to go to the bathroom, now's a good time, especially if you don't type. This is a good time to go to the bathroom, okay? Listen to me. Listen to me. It's why when when the offering plate comes around and you go, you know, I really should give more... You go, no, because if I gave more, I couldn't pay for the minimum balance on my American Express because I bought all this stuff that I'm not using that nobody cares about. See, 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 listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Your money is telling you what to do. I'd love to buy groceries for this person, but I'm still paying for those shoes that I bought last year. I'd love to be generous with this person, but I can't do that because I'm still playing for last Christmas's gifts. Here's the deal. This section of scripture is teaching it's not about what you possess. It's about who possesses you. Let me give you two illustrations in scripture that I think are fabulous. Um, Everybody remember the illustration from the rich young ruler? I think it's Luke 12 or 13. I think it's 12, um, uh, and verse 13. Um, in, in Luke, it talks about the rich guy who owns all this stuff. He, he has a bumper crop, right? Like, he, he just has a great, great um, harvest. And he says, you know what? I'm going to build bigger vats. I'm going to store up stuff for myself. And I got a plan to hold in all this stuff. And once I get all this stuff, I'm going to store it. I'll be set for life, right? I'm going to sit on it. Then he goes to bed, and there's a voice that he doesn't hear, but that you and I get to hear. He doesn't hear it. He experiences it, but he doesn't hear it. You and I get to hear the narrative. He says, you fool. Do you not know that your life is going to be required of you this very night? Who will then have all of your stuff? Listen can't take it with you. Your worth and your value is not found in what you possess, but in who possesses you. Now, before I go any further, I'm, I'm about ready to close, but I have some, uh, verse 12 is very powerful, and I want you to listen in. Let me ask you something. When you're listening to this sermon, do you think that you're the rich or you're the poor? I wonder with what ears you've been listening with. Because according to, the, according to uh, the world, everybody here, stinking rich. Top 6%, richest people. Top richest... If you live on welfare, you're still in the top 6% richest people in the world. Listen, if your refrigerator broke down, that's rich people problems. You mean you buy so much food that you store it for weeks at a time? Uh Uh-huh. 
Yeah, that's rich people problems. If somebody, if somebody, if if the if the company that you know uh, gives you internet service or phone service, if they cut you off, you know what those are called? That's rich people problems. If you listen to me, if you did not know what to wear today, if you opened up your closet and saw multiple things to wear and said, I just don't know what to wear today, that's rich people problems. If you've gone to McDonald's or any restaurant within the last month and you had to send your food back, that's rich people problems. The rest of the world would look at you and be marveled. Do you know that most of this world, over 85% of this world, lives on a dollar a week? Less, actually. We are rich. Really stinking rich. And yet, do you know what other thing? It, you know that we're, we're the high, as far as finances, do you know America wins? You know what else America wins in? Psychotropic medication. There is nobody in the world, no nation in the world, who takes antidepressants more than America does. There's no nation in the world that takes none. Like, no close second. And yet, we're the richest people in the world. What would you give, what would you make of that piece of information? Here it is, here it is. Because we found our worth in our stuff. And yet there are people in places who do not have, who have great joy because they found their worth in Christ. So what do I want you to do? I want you to find your worth. So if you're poor, how do you get through poor? Listen to me. You find your value and your worth in Christ because he is better and he's more wonderful and he can give you joy and peace and satisfaction and love. He can give you all that. If you're rich, which is most of us here, if not all of us, if you're rich, I want you to find your security in Christ. I want you to find your security in Christ. And then he closes with this, James, uh, or he closes his thought with this in verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, that God has promised to those who love him. Now look up at me. Listen to me. The Bible says that if you're poor, that's a trial. Because you find your joy and your worth in Christ. If you're rich, that's a trial. Because it's tough for you to see Christ as your all in all because you're distracted by all this stuff, right? It's tough to see Jesus when you have all these bills and all these things that you have and all that other stuff. Blessed is the man, whether he's poor or rich. He's going back. You see what James is doing in verse 12? He's going back to verse 2 where it says, uh, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face various trials or many, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Look up at me. Listen. Listen to me. This is big. Blessed is the man whose focus is not on what he has or in this moment or just a... Blessed is the man who has the big picture view. 
So whatever circumstances you're going through, whatever difficulties you're going through, listen, there's a crown that you're going to get. You know what the crown is? It's everlasting life. You don't, go, you don't go to heaven. Listen to me. And we were talking about heaven a lot last week, so uh, I, won't, I won't spend too much time on it. But listen to me. As we look, as we live in light of heaven, you ever heard this phrase, um, don't be so heavenly minded, uh, you know, don't be so heavenly minded that you're not any earthly good? I've never met that person. I've never met that person who loves Jesus so much that they're no earthly good. I've never met that person who says, I'm going to suffer for Christ's sake to the degree that I give myself away to everybody. I've never met the person who says, uh, who's so heavenly, so biblically, so godly minded that they're no good. In fact, I've only met people who are so heavenly minded that I am ashamed when I leave them because they, they, they just do laps around me spiritually. Listen to me. Listen to me. Be so heavenly minded that you finally become earthly good. Good for something here on earth. Be so heavenly minded that you finally find your peace and your joy, not in where you stay or what you have or what you possess, but in who God is and his value and beauty that you find your comfort there. Be so heavenly minded that you find your peace and your joy in Christ. James would have you to do that. Your value, my value, doesn't come from my possessions. But who possesses me? So, what do we do with this? What, like, okay, so we heard this. Now what do we do? How do we deal with this information? Here's the deal. This week, as you're going, listen to me, as you're going throughout your week and you find yourself worrying and feeling anxieties about your bills, about what to pay, about whether to take out your credit card and buy something that you really can't afford to impress people that you don't know to get something that you really don't want. Before you do that, before you do that, I want you to find your joy and your satisfaction. Jesus, you have me. And that. So we're going to, in the next few weeks especially, you're going to be inundated with ads to buy, buy, buy. You know, it used to be, it used to be that when something broke down, you fixed it. And then, somewhere in, I don't know, maybe 70s or so, it was that if it, uh, it broke down, you bought something new, right? So it used to be, you know, like, it's, it's the great, like, uh, you know, the, uh, anybody here ever heard, hear of a scissor sharpener or anything like that? Yeah, right. They don't have them anymore because if your scissors, you know, if they're dull, what do you do? Just buy a new one, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So it's, it used to be that if something gets worn down or breaks, you fix it. Then it, get, it got to the point where if something breaks down or, or you replace it. Now, do you know what we do? We don't wait for things to break down to replace them. We don't wait things uh, to fix them. We don't wait things to break down. You know what we do? We upgrade we take something that is perfectly good and say, okay, so here's a phone. And you go, yeah, 
I love my phone. What is it supposed to do? Oh, it's supposed to make phone calls and receive phone calls and, and maybe make phone calls and talk to people. So I, I got an idea. Here's what I'll do. I will give you another phone call that will talk back to you. Like that will actually talk back to you. Like you say, hello, how are you doing? I'm fine, and you? And, and, and so like, right, and she goes, this phone works perfectly fine. But we upgrade. We take a TV. That's perfectly fine, right? It's, you know, it's got color. And it's got, oh, no, no, no. But don't you see? This is HD. It's got like this many, like two trillion pixels, and, and it's like, right, and so, like, so it's got two trillion pixels. You go, can you see it? And you know you can't see the difference. And you go, yeah, yeah, I think I can. Yeah. Well, this, is, this, this only has, this has 50,000 colors. This has 51,000 colors. And you go, oh, I think I see it. It's brighter, right? No, 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 this one's the brighter one. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. That one's the brighter one. And so what we would do is we upgrade. You know Why? We're trying to buy happiness. Trying to buy. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. Here's what I want you to do. When you drive down the street, this is all I want you to do this week. When you drive down the street and you see somebody with a nicer car than you, I want you to go, nice car. Father, bless them with that car. Because my joy is with you. When you go through somebody's apartment and you see that it's beautiful, it's like 10 times bigger than your apartment, isn't it nice? And you go and you see it's beautiful. You go, nice apartment. Father, bless them as you've given them this. May they rejoice in you and use that apartment to serve others. Most people, you know what they do? They rejoice in their apartment and they use God. God, may they rejoice in you and use their apartment so that others would be blessed. When you, when you get, to your, um, when you get um, around uh, marriages that are having a better time, and it's, a, you know, it's, it's funny because in here, when we're together, we all have our, like, this is as good, so you know, this is as good looking as I get, right? This is as attractive as I become, which you go, ah, oh, mendito, I understand. Um, but it really is. This is as good looking. You should see me when I wake up, boy. It's like, oh, man. Like, give me my eye. I put it in there. And, like, you know, give me my hair. And, you know, I put it, you know, you know, all that other stuff. Here's the point. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. When we're out and we see other couples and they seem so joyful, especially if we're single, this is a rough one, we think that we're missing out on something. God, wonderful marriage. Bless them in their marriage. As they rejoice in you, may they use their marriage to serve others. Maybe you see somebody's kids. You think you're poor in children, right? Your kids are acting all sorts of crazy. Right? And you go by somebody else's kids and you go, man, why can't my kids be more like... No, no, no. I'm not going to envy. I'm, not, I'm going to... Great kids. Father... As they continue to raise and train their children up in the way that they should go. You can do this in a million different ways. Listen to me. If you do this, the ads won't have so much power over you. 
you, there won't be this sense of discontentment in your life, this low-grade frustration with what you have. I'll do this. I'll do this with other pastors. I'll go, oh man, the congregation, da, 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 and I'll just start comparing. It's just such a miserable place to be. I go, I heard of this one guy, true story. Five years, 10,000 people baptized. Church is over 10,000, right? And I go, man, God, I, I work as hard as he. Wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. Edwin, if I gave you here, and it never goes beyond half of the room being full. And we're, we're more than half, so I'm a happy spirit. I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying anything here. I'm saying, I'm saying rejoice. God, nice church. Bless them as they steward that massive responsibility. Can you think of opportunities and moments in your life? You see somebody dress in a certain way. Nice pants. Bless them as they use their clothing to honor you and not to you know what would happen you would be happier you would be more satisfied you would stop cursing god for giving you you know lately i have to go uh, i see a guy with a full head of, head of hair and i go bless them cuz i'm losing my hair this is a, this is like therapy for me with my hair when i confess to you about my hair this is a real rough one for me cuz i just got over acne so i was like oh man I thought at least I was going to keep my hair. But here's my point. Here's my point. Listen up. Seriously. Bless them. Bless them as they use what you've given them for your glory. That's what I want you to do throughout this week. That you, if you're poor, you find your, your worth in Christ. And if you're rich, you find your security in Christ. And that you would walk around blessed and rejoice. Because he is your treasure. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this reminder that you are our treasure. That as we go through the rest of this week, Lord, that we would take joy, that we would notice stuff that as we walk through, walk by uh, display windows and we see electronics and TVs, when we see phones and, 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 and pads and we see cars and furniture, when we see clothes, Lord, that we wouldn't not look at them enviously, but that we would discover that within you we have so so much more. So, Father, help us. Help us to rejoice in what you have given. Help us to rejoice more so in who you are. And help us to live this week as people who are rich in Christ, who get eternal life. That no matter what we go through, whether we have bills stacking up, whether we have spouses that don't cooperate or situations that seem impossible. Lord, that we would find our security, our joy, our satisfaction in you.
Because it's only in you that any of that is found anyway. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen.